Join me to walk along the most beautiful stretch of the River Thames in London and look back more than a century when that towering figure in the arts and crafts movement, William Morris, was living here in an 18th century house he had renamed Kelmscott House. He thought its existing name, The Retreat, brought to mind a lunatic asylum. He and his family lived here for 18 years until his death in 1896. Morris is best known nowadays as a designer of fabrics and wallpaper, designs that have never been out of production in more than a century. But he was also an author, a poet, and a designer of tapestries. As he said, if a chap can't compose an epic poem while he's weaving a tapestry, he'd better shut up. He'll never do any good at all. Morris believed that the 19th century had lost its way. Workers produced items in factories, where on a production line they had no responsibility for the finished item, maybe merely tightening a screw. He felt that we should return to craftsmen and women who could create an object, developing their skills and enjoying the satisfaction of their work, made by the people, for the people, as a joy for the maker and the user. The company started by Morris and his friends tried to put these ideals into practice. Morris & Co. was the company to go to for the discriminating 19th century house owner. Curtains, carpets, furniture, tapestries, glassware, stained glass could all be obtained at a price. Morris & Co. decorated rooms in St James's Palace at Balmoral and later were to provide the cut velvet for the walls of the ill-fated Titanic. But Morris himself had become increasingly unhappy about, as he put it, ministering to the swinish luxury of the rich. He didn't give up the day job, but he did become a committed socialist, designing posters for the emerging socialist party, supporting them in court appearances, haranguing the crowds, well, maybe small crowds, in the square in Hammersmith, and holding socialist meetings in the coach house of his home. Attendees included Marx's daughter Eleanor, and George Bernard Shaw. His opinion of Parliament was that the building should be emptied of politicians and filled with manure. Extraordinarily, it was suggested that he should become Poet Laureate. We think of Morris as a bewhiskered, serious 19th century sage. But in his younger days, his party piece was to get the girls to pull him up from the floor by tugging on his curly hair. His bank manager warned him to limit consumption of wine in the household to just two and a half bottles a day, but for financial, not dietary reasons. I haven't mentioned in this brief account his skill at embroidery, his translations of Icelandic sagas, his painting, and his determination to learn crafts himself. He struggled with the only tapestry he wove, acanthus and vine, renamed by him in frustration cabbage and vine. And he went up to Staffordshire to learn vegetable as opposed to chemical dyeing from a firm in Leek. Picture him navy blue up to the armpits from indigo dye. Morris liked the idea that the water passing his door in Hammersmith had passed by Kelmscott Manor, the house he leased in the Cotswolds. The family did the journey between the two homes by river on occasion, Morris doing the cooking while his wife Janie sat embroidering in the stern. And this riverside in Hammersmith was to prove attractive to other craft workers, some who became friends of Morris, others who moved there after his death. The printers, jewellery makers, silversmiths, engravers and artists 
were all affected by his instruction. Have nothing in your house that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. You'll see this nowadays on tea towels. What would Morris have said to that?